Hey everyone, Pizza Mind here. I got some great news. This podcast has grown by leaps and bounds, and we have a big announcement to tell you in reaction to that growth. Bryce, what's going on? Guys, we're leveling things up this year. Guys, starting the first week of January, okay? Starting the first week of January, we're changing the release schedule of the Crypto 101 podcast. So we're going to be releasing not one, but two episodes every single week in 2022. Okay, guys? So every Tuesday and every Thursday morning, you guys are going to be getting some brand new Crypto 101 content. And this begins Tuesday, January 4th. So mark your calendars uh, for after the new year, guys. And per usual, episodes are going to still remain available wherever you listen to podcasts along at crypto101podcast.com. And and that's it, guys. And the reason really, you know, why we're doing this, it's crazy, but we've just, like Pizza Mind said, we've seen such enormous growth. We're getting inquiries, you know, you know, literally like, you know, 50 to 100 every month for, for new guests to come on the show. Whereas back, you know, two, three years ago, we had to fight tooth and nail to get on top quality guests. And so it's just been a an awesome, awesome period. And we're excited to uh, dish up twice the amount of podcasts in the new year. And this is our way of saying thank you to you guys for voting us best podcast in 2018, 2019, and 2020, according to the Blockchain Influencer Award. So thank you so much. We feel the love. We're going to give it back to you in 2022. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls around the world, gather around. We've got some very, very interesting things to talk about today. Unfortunately, uh, I am not joined uh, by my notorious co-host and companion and best friend, Mr. Aaron Pizza Mind Malone. He is, again, off in some distant land traveling, probably at a crypto conference somewhere in a household near you. Uh, but I am joined today by a fantastic guest, um, somebody who is uh, on the forefront of the customer experience, I would say, on the forefront of building uh, just a usable framework and a usable, you know, basically interface uh, for crypto wallets. OK, so if you guys are excited about crypto wallets, uh, you will be very, very pleased to to be listening to this interview with Rob Locasio, who is the founder and CEO of live person. Rob, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Bryce. Yeah, man, we, we're really excited to dive into uh, particularly, you know, why you decided to uh, attack the crypto industry from this angle. Uh, you know, there's lots of problems to be solved. Why'd you choose this one? Yeah, I've been in, I've been in crypto for a little bit myself for more than a little bit. Uh, and, you know, what I found is it's, it's still what I call fairly for the purest. I was I call it the purest and the tourist. There's an intersection going on right now. But if you look <laughs> yeah. at like the, the MetaMask wallet and stuff like that, it's it's a little bit edges on the side of purest. But even beyond that, as we started to meet with you know a bunch of companies who, who've become customers, they were starting to go to traditional customer care. Like if you have a problem, make a phone call, send it an email. And so, you know, I fundamentally believe that messaging and real time is really a Web3 communication. It's, it, should, it should be the way that everything's done, even commerce. You know, when I think about, um, you know, OpenSea and just a giant website with, you know, thousands upon thousands of NFTs, it's like going back to 1995. 
and real time. And so the ability to bring like Discord and Twitter together with customer care and, and put it in with, uh, you know, blockchain and crypto companies, this is kind of like what we're focused on. I just think they, the path should be a different path using bots, automation, things like this. Yeah. And there's a, one thing I want to uh, hit on real quick. You said the purists and the tourists. And I think that's a great place to start because that's really where the, the the binary is, why there's so many issues here. Because we have, A, the purists, guys like me and you, been in the crypto industry for you know half a decade now and uh, have been basically, you know, very, very con- convinced of like the, um, the thesis of like, you know, a sovereign individual, you want to hold your private keys, you don't want any custodian in, in, in between you and your money. Okay. And so that b- brings a lot of responsibility, that brings a lot of uh, kind of technical prowess. And the uh, the 95% of people are probably the tourists, you know, maybe many of the crypto 101 listeners who are here first, you know, you know couple, you know, months or years in the in the space, they're on Coinbase. They don't really want to own their private keys. So there's this intersection. Um, and so you're deciding uh, in order to really, you know, scale, in order to get to, you know, billions of users, we need to come to people with an interface that makes sense. And so so how is live person doing this? So first of all, you know, the concept that when I, one of the things we found, like we started to have these dinners with many different uh, crypto companies and with consensus and Coinbase and stuff, but but consensus plays such a big part because Obviously, the MetaMask wallet is being used on many different protocols and and, and dApps and things. And basically, people have it was funniest thing we found at these dinners was like people are like, "Hey, MetaMask, I'm supporting your wallet because your wallet people can't figure it out when they're connected to my service." And so, one part is how do we create a community around answering questions, and then how do we embed into the wallet itself a way to do the answer those, ask those questions and get those questions answered. So it's kind of dual because you- Yeah, and it's almost like, I guess the reason why that doesn't exist now is because MetaMask, why is MetaMask not supporting them? Why are the wallets themselves not making this? Right, so they're right now, they're about to go live. They're going to support their wallet. They're going to make it easy to get care. We're going to put automation and bots and everything. But everyone's going to have a problem like this. I'm going to be, because everyone's very, a lot of these services are really interconnected. It's very different than like the other world I live in, which is dealing with the T-Mobiles and Citibanks and companies like this, where they are walled gardens. This is a lot mm-hmm. of interconnectivity. It's about the community working together. So what we're thinking about is actually ultimately creating a DAO, a customer service DAO, in which the agents and the bots are placed into the DAO. Um, there's a, a, a mechanism to incentivize people to create these bots. And those bots may answer general questions like, how do I take fiat and you know transfer to to crypto? Uh, my MetaMask wallet. How do I do something? Uh, change the chain. I want to use not Ethereum. I want to use something else. So I want to go to Dai. So th- these are the things that we're thinking about in changing how customer care can be done with this community because it can't be done in a traditional way. But at least for now, in the MetaMask wallet, we're going to have care. You have a question, you're going to be there. You can ask a human, ask a bot. It'll all be fully integrated. Very cool. Okay. So, so Rob, interesting. I'm glad we dove straight in, but now let's take a quick zoom out. So you, you mentioned some big names, you, uh, you'd worked with, you know, companies like Citibank uh, in the past or whatever. Tell us a little bit about your background and why you are the guy to be building this type of service. I I started, I guess I'm a, I'm the, I'm in a web one uh, a web world one guy. in, in 19, I'm web one, 95. I started my company, 97. I invented chat. 
I invented web chat. So if you Whoa. ever chatted on a website, I invented this technology, filed the first patents, took the company public in 2000. And forever, I've been on a mission to provide what I call conversational AI, conversational commerce, conversational care. It, it's what I believe is like all the real-time aspects that we like about messaging our, messaging our friends and family. And like, once again, what we see on Discord and all this, how do you create an experience for care around that? And how do you bring automation to it? And so five years ago, we made a big pivot into messaging, a big pivot into conversational AI bots. And, you know, we're leading in that effort. So we've got 10,000 customers, um, you know, and, and then my personal, you know, belief in crypto and blockchain and DAOs, and we could talk about that a little bit and how that's our future of platforms. I don't think the platforms we're on right now in web one and web two are really serving us as a community, as humans. And I think what the people are trying to solve in crypto is things about privacy, centralization of power. These are things that I believe I want to I want to help support. And we're big enough, you know, we're we're a three point five billion dollar company, and we have resources, and 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 yet I'm I'm not uh, we're not about centralized power. I'm not living with the people who sort of won the current version of the web. I believe there's a better path. Wow, that's fascinating. Tell us a little bit about. Just from an inventor's standpoint, um, what it was like, what was what went into the conceptualization of web chat for you know you bringing that to to everybody who uses it in like you know seven billion phones around the world. Yeah, now now it's billions and billions of conversations happen. It's it's kind of like what today is. I remember let we could take the parallel. I went to Dell's website. This is in '97. I was building websites myself from to make some money. And then I remember shopping on Dell's website, configuring a server. I couldn't get it done. So then I had to hang up my dial-up connection, mm. dial-up back then, call on a phone. And I thought, this sucks. Like, I should be able to ask a question at the point of need. And chat had existed in different systems, but never on the web for customer care. And that's what drove me to it. It's the same thing I see today. If you think about, like, NFT marketplaces, um, there's there's the marketplace itself, and it's a web user experience. Then there's Discord and Twitter which are real-time messaging platforms. And there's a disconnect between all of it. So I may connect with the artist somewhere, or I may tweet and they may get back to me, or I may be on Discord with the community. But wrapping the community around the actual digital asset is where I believe it should be. And so it's always what I felt. And I feel like this version of the web should not go backwards and go to web. I don't even know why people are using HTML. Hmm. Like, it makes no sense to use HTML to 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 provide digital assets and a marketplace for them. It, it just, it, it beguiles me. And what's the substitute to HTML, would you say? It's what, it's, it's what we see. It's like a conversational, it's conversational commerce, like mm. a marketplace where the NFT is wrapped around the messaging framework. The community is asking questions. They're communicating with each other around that asset. The buying is right in there. The, the artist could be there. It's all transacted and communicated and supported and also connect my wallet because I, I, I'm having a problem connecting my wallet. All of that needs to be connected into a, a single flow. We, we built a platform called Maven, which is a consumer platform, and I'm moving it towards crypto. Right now, it has about 1,000 merchants to do just what I said, full in-line conversational commerce. But, but I want to put NFTs on there. We're going to add other digital assets. This is kind of what I see is the form factor, not the web, not HTML. Wow. Very interesting. So 
So could we could we kind of get to um, a couple best practices, I would say, for because I think the, the main thing that I think that people kind of hear is, you know, the attack here would be like phishing attacks, right? A lot of people say like, oh, you know, I've got, uh, you know, someone sends me an email, customer support from Coinbase, you click it and you, you give them your private key. So like, what are kind of the, the main frictions with the customer right now? Um, that, that And yeah, can you kind of talk about it from that angle? Yeah, the, the, the main, main friction is the, um, uh, it, the, there's unsecure channels. Right. That, that they're being communicated care conversations in. So, and they're, you know, they're about very sensitive things, you know, your, your money at the end of the day. It's your money. So like, if I talk to all these companies, they tell me the same story. Somebody t- tried to spoof a customer care rep. Someone mm. created a bot mm. that represented, you know, our, our, our company. And they're trying to get the keys out of the person. And even they're building trust by doing help and care, making like they work at the company just to build the trust to say like, give me your password and username and give me your keys. Social and this is happening. Social engineering. And it's money. If it wasn't money at the end of the road, it could be $10,000. It could be a thousand. It could be millions of dollars in these wallets where that's an incentive to play a game. Hmm. We have to have authenticated channels. There, and, if, and, and that authentication has to be the bots authenticated and the humans are authenticated in this thing. And without that, you know, people are very, there's a, there's a, a group of people who are very devious, who all day are trying to figure out how to get that information. And as I said, as the tourists come on, you know, we could say like, why do you ever give your keys out? Well, purists gave their keys out. There are times where purists gave their key thinking that the person they were talking to needed it to troubleshoot something on a wallet. And so th- this is a fact. So the tourist is definitely going to be doing this in mass. Yeah. And so, and that'll ruin it because there's already a lack of trust a little bit by the tourist about how does all this work? Who's behind it? Can I even talk to somebody? So I think the ability to build real trust will enable a, a, you know, hundreds of millions of people to come on board and feel like they're really uh, being supported. So, so how does live person um, kind of approach or interact with other projects, decentralized finance uh, DAOs, right? So does live person get connected by somebody in the community? Is live person a DAO in and of itself? Is there a, a governance process that kind of occurs here? And just kind of walk us through maybe even some people's like, Bryce, what, what's, a, what's a DAO? This is my first time on a crypto podcast. You know, why don't we break it down? <laughs> So a, a DAO is a, a decentralized autonomous organization. And, and obviously well, what it means is that, and I think the easiest way to explain it is if you look at Bitcoin, Bitcoin is one of the biggest brands in the world right now, trillion dollars worth of value. Um, and when you look at that brand, there's no CEO, there's no head of marketing, there's no centralized group, there's no stock listed on some centralized exchange, yet there are... are hundreds of thousands of people that are engaged in this business. And as they do good work, in this case, mining, as they do good work, they get an incentive, they get a coin, which then is tradable on an exchange, which allows them to live and make money. And people have made millions of dollars and billions of dollars in this, right? So it's, think of it, all this wealth that was created was created without a centralized, you know, hierarchical uh corporation, which is the first time in history. So the DAO is just that. It's it, The concept is that 
we can run organizations that are about a community of people coming together, build the incentives into the work that people are doing, and but they're not on payroll. They don't have managers. And the manager is a piece of technology. So it's a piece of code that says, if you do your work, you get paid out for doing it. And, it, and there's no art. There's, it's, it's, it's trustless. That's what you know, the word algorithm is. that everybody agrees on. It's an, an open algorithm. It's not even, it's not even uh, closed. You can look at it and see like, mm-hmm. let me look at the code and see if that makes sense to me, how I'm going to get paid. So I just think if you look at what's happened in the last two years with the COVID and what's happened with employees and the change in people's mindset, they want to work in a DAO. People want to work in a DAO. Mm-hmm. And then I'll take it one step further. I, you know, we're a public company listed on NASDAQ, but and we're our value, our market caps based on the fact of our sales, our, our revenue, and our earnings, our EBITDA, how much cash we make or don't. And there's a multiple applied to that. But if you look at these decentralized uh, organizations, it's not about a centralized revenue model. It's about how much wealth has been created between all the thousands and tens of thousands of people or hundreds of thousands of people that are involved with the community, you know, in making the system work and that's we so i could see a world in which coin market cap token market cap becomes market cap even on an exchange like nasdaq like a company like mine if we became a dow we would have to decentralize our software we would have no employees we would decentralize our revenue but the value could still be based on all the money we're creating for the world around us and that's what people want people want and you think it's companies Yeah, because I think people want companies to be communities. They want companies to be communities. We want our companies to be – we want them to take on social issues and everything else, but it's hard to do. This is coming from the CEO of a $3.5 billion company, guys. So if you guys are are thinking crypto is not here and institutions aren't coming, no, they're here. They've arrived and and if you're not already in crypto, I mean, you're you're late to the game. That's what I think, everybody listening at home. Um, Rob, this is – you know, this is a, a conversation I want to kind of dive a little bit more into. What would that look like, CEO of a public company, um, going to your board and saying, guys, uh, let's decentralize this thing? What are some of the resistances that you might run into? Well, I, I think it, it, to just take the company wholesale, decentralize it, right, it would be a process. I think the first thing you have to do is create de- a decentralized service. So, for instance, if we, if, let's say we invented Ethereum. Let's just go back and just say, we invented Ethereum. Exactly the way Ethereum is today. And let's say the company has 20% of the treasury. So we issued did an ICO, we issued the coins. There's a whole protocol on how people get the coins and trade them and then get them for their work, for proof of work, for proof of stake, where it's going. But we would keep our 20%. And that 20% would, re- would be 20% of obviously hundreds of billions of dollars of value. And then what could happen is that would basically be an asset that the shareholders would say, wow, that's worth, a, let's say you're worth, the core is worth three and a half, but that thing you created called Ethereum is worth 200 billion. They're not going to, they're going to market. Just think if that was the case, we invented Ethereum, our company would be Ethereum. Right. Our market cap wouldn't be three and a half billion. It would be, you know, a trillion, it'd be three, 300 billion. Right. So I don't think it's such a stretch. It's just a process. But I, even shareholders are looking for like they call you know environmental um, focus. 
They want you to be socially good, ESG, mm. environmentally and socially good. There's a whole thing about it. It's, it's harder to do that as a centralized force. But as decentralized, we could do a lot of things that would align to helping people, helping the community, you know, helping a broader group. That's, that's where I think it's going to happen. I believe in, it'll probably be 20 years from now, but the public markets will reflect coin market caps and centralized organizations will go to DAOs. My children who are three, five, and nine months years old will not be. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes. So doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply working in a centralized company they will be working in a dow there's no way when they grow up are they going to go and do that i don't see it that is so cool many of you have probably heard uh about how the market for collectibles including nfts has gone totally crazy over the last year and the problem though is that even if you wanted to invest in some of these assets the price tags are simply out of reach for most investors. But there's actually solutions to this problem. And I wanted to tell you about one of those right now. So this podcast is sponsored by Otis. Otis is an investment platform that makes it possible for almost anyone to invest in shares of cultural assets. So here's how it works. You download their app and you sign up for free. They have over 100 items available for you to invest in, from rare collectibles like sports cards, comics and video games, to NFTs, contemporary art, and even rare sneakers. Shares usually start around 10 bucks, plus they add new assets every week. Then you can earn a potential return if Otis sells the underlying assets for more than the price the item was dropped at, or by selling your shares to other Otis members on Otis's real-time trading platform. So some of the drops from Otis are amazing. These uh, things are like sports cards and memorabilia, uh, like a ticket to the Kobe Bryant's final NBA game or a bunch of boxed, never open vintage video games like the original Game Boy Pokemon games. And as a music lover, to be honest, I was excited to see uh, an actual first generation, brand new first generation iPod. So if products like this sound up your alley, well, right now, Otis is offering listeners of this show a free share 
when they fund their account. And all you have to do is go to withotis.com slash crypto 101 and sign up to get your first share for free. That is withotis, W-I-T-H-O-T-I-S dot com slash C-R-Y-P-T-O 101. For more risks and disclaimers, go to withotis.com slash legal slash disclaimer. And please check out the show notes uh, for those as well. So, you know, would you ever find a use or a possibility to bring on a crypto asset to your balance sheet? What would be a reason to do something like that? Not saying you will, just theoretically, what would be the purpose? We're, we're definitely down the road at, uh, on that. Um, we also have a bank. We, we built a conversational AI bank called Bella. And that bank we put into place nine months ago, it's riding off of traditional fiat rails. But we are uh, going to add crypto into that. And we're going to add uh, the crypto rails into that and other things. That's so I, I, the reason I believe in this is that I go back to our, go back to meta, our MetaMask thing. Yeah. I, I believe that the world will be going this way. And the crypto world is leading us now. So even how we think about customer care, we're thinking about customer care as a DAO. This is what we've been talking about as a group. Like these are things that we can create with this world that the rest of the world will follow. Like having a giant contact center with 20,000 people in it doesn't make sense if you could have a decentralized way in which those people are living anywhere, they're plugging in, they're creating bots, they're getting paid for the work they do and not sitting in a contact center being you know, managed top down. So I think this world is a world of our future. And that's why, as for my company, and we've always been about innovation, we've got to be a part of that, but also we've got to drive it. We have to drive our part of it authentically. Mm-hmm. So, and that's, that's really what I'm doing. I respect, you know, I respect the people who are involved with it. And I'm a learner. I'm not here like from web one, trying to drive to web three. Like we're not trying to be meta, mm. you know, we're not trying to create a meta, like now we're the metaverse company. And we're going to do that because we feel threatened. I, you know, I don't see that as a future for Facebook. Mm-hmm. It's their centralized power. You know, it, it almost it almost feels to me like more of a, a Jack Dorsey approach with with Twitter. You know how he is uh, on Twitter uh, with you know NFT authentication, right? That's going to be part of their process. He's hiring people to you know head crypto. They're bringing Bitcoin onto their balance sheet and all that kind of stuff. And so it seems more of like that approach, like an a, a adapt rather than impose. That's right. And you, I've been spending time with like guys like Joe Lubin consensus. Mm. And I've been spending time with, uh, I had Anthony Dorio on my, uh, on my podcast. I have my own podcast called over the wall to help entrepreneurs. And I, I was at LizCon. I'm diving in. Like I, I, you know, you gotta, you gotta have like first knowledge, you know, you, you got it's first principles. You have mm. to be in it before you make a decision on how to be in it. And so what I've done is just spend as much time as I can to understand what's our place in it. How can we help it grow? I, I, you know, how do we not an impediment to it and how do we align to the values of it? Like you have to respect the values, like through community, you gain sovereignty. Mm-hmm. That's how I look at it. The, the, the sovereign individual was kind of the version one from my perspective of blockchain and crypto. And we're up to what, which more is like through community, we gain sovereignty. It's not just about sovereignty. It's about, I'm going to be part of a community to get it. 
where I think at the beginning it was more like the government sucks. I get to like have my money here. I can be anywhere. I can avoid taxes. I, there's a major shift that's gone on. And what you meet is people who want to create community and they're building blockchain technologies around a community of people. Yeah. So, but the things that the things that are bad right now, not bad, but like we're a public company. So we understand the security, like mm-hmm. a stock is a security, handing stock options out, RSUs, being on an exchange, not non-public information. We actually know all the rules and regulations because we've been doing it for 20 years. So when we go to do our thing, we'll do it with the filter of we know this could be a security. Mm. You know, unless you're a true DAO, which which let's say we're a true DAO, that's something else. But even with that, we can take our perspective on what it's like running a public company so we can give it some weight mm. and some trust, maybe greater trust. Awesome. So let's shift uh, shift gears a little bit more specifically towards uh, DeFi. Um, is that something that you're giving a lot of credence to? I know you guys are building more with Ethereum than you probably are with Bitcoin. Is that because of any particular reason? Well, I mean, I'm looking at a couple of chains, so I'm not particularly married. Like we're looking at our DAO, not for not with a first, like I said, a separate project mm-hmm. that we have out in the market. We're going to look at creating a decentralized service for it. But I've been looking at different things outside Definity. I've been looking at stuff mm. even outside of Ethereum because of the cost of Ethereum. But obviously, that's going to change next year. But I, I, we've been looking at what change should we use? What would be best serving us to create our DAO and to create and to create our our system? So, so I've been going down that road. We're getting closer to where we think we'll go. Uh, but Bitcoin's not. I mean, right now. Even Bitcoin, we're, we want to have a way in which a consumer can pay in the merchant marketplace with crypto, but we'd rather use stablecoin, USDC, or you know something that it doesn't have a taxable event to it. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of mechanics to it that we're working through right now. But I think Bitcoin's a great investment. I don't know about using it as a as a currency, you know, because of the, because today have the taxable events on at least here in the U.S. Yeah, fantastic. And then. Uh, with, with with you know decentralized finance, is there any sort of like valuation metrics that you find particularly compelling? And I know uh, earlier in the show you mentioned it's not about revenues, it's not about um, that, it's more about the users and the adoption. So so how do you actually you know rationalize sometimes uh, quote unquote some of these valuations? I suppose you know it's it's I think the what's cool about crypto is that you know in the social world social media world like the like was the currency right in crypto the transaction is the currency like right. everything has a transaction on it mm-hmm. and and i think you have to we you have to look at how many transactions are created with whatever time frame you're measuring what's the value of those transactions how much money was transacted around that it could be even votes. Maybe it's a voting protocol. So maybe it's not money all the time, but like, and then it's, what's the active community. So like how many people are involved with this thing? And then how, how many people are growing each day against it? So I think it's very close to normal metrics. The biggest metric is that the, there's no centralization. So there's not a revenue model per se. There could be all the money that's transacted. And I think there'd be a multiple on what the value of that to the community is. So, because if you step back, really step back, what's a, what is a valuation? It's subjective, I guess. It's a, it's a, it's one person's perception versus another's, I suppose, right? 
we have analysts that write about our stock. Oh, they're trading at a good moment. A lot of them are saying we're undervalued. Some are saying you're over. We have shareholders show up and say, you're way undervalued. We have some shareholders that show up and say, you're overvalued. Relative like, to what, right? It's always relative, relative to, to what? Relative to what? It's They have their own models. So what happens is that eventually there's some model that everyone has for a sector. So I'm in the cloud computing sector and there's a model of, of revenue. Agreed upon they, sort of model. Consensus. I don't know where it came from. Yeah, that's a good. Now there's this rule of 40. There's this thing called the rule of 40. If you get top line growth above 20% and bottom line above 20%, 20 plus uh, EBITDA margins are 20%, 20 plus 20 equals 40. So you could do 40% growth and zero margin or 30% growth. <laughs> but if you rule of 40 used to be the rule. And if you can add up 40 between top line growth and bottom line growth, you get, you're in the magic 10x <laughs> your multiples of your revenue. That doesn't hold now anymore. I've seen it. <laughs> You're like, I've so, seen that shit break down. Like we, we had the rule of 40 and we didn't get those high multiples. We still traded a, a very good multiple, but we're not trading where our, the top person is. The top company is trading double us. So why? It's, it's a lot of factors. And so I think it's the same thing. Once there's usually an expert who everyone follows, most people, and they say, this is the multiple, this is the thing. And everyone goes, that's what it should be judged at. They're an expert. Yeah, and then and then the market starts to happen, and everyone says, "Okay, that makes sense." And it's crazy. It doesn't is. All, it doesn't. It doesn't make sense. You know? Yeah, markets aren't really rational. It's like you know, you have this Schiller, or you'll have valuation, or you know, we're all going to go over the cap M, and like that's the Bible. And then, but boom, it's like the valuations need to adapt, and with the world becoming increasingly, you know, more complex with all these, uh, you know, blockchains and communication systems, it's uh. It's gonna be it's gonna be crazy to see how things really turn out. But um, but Rob, I, I'm really curious. Um, before we uh, you know, dive into some closing questions, um, let's take a look at just um your your roadmap here. You, that maybe the the with um the the MetaMask partnership or any next uh yeah. big announcements coming up. Yeah, I mean, I think you know um th- that's a big one, and and that'll that's gonna bring a community together. I think around what we're doing. It's it's really about, you know, I believe converse, conversations create the most personalized experiences in the world, whether you're going into a store or you're in digital. Obviously, I live in the digital world. We can, we want to create very high quality, high value, and we've built a platform over the last five years to do that. It, it, it looks at the intent of the consumer, allows you to build high quality bots, deploy them, watch them. It has tools that tells you if it's negative or positive sentiment happening. So there's a lot, a lot of tooling. The thing is, I really believe that the automation is what's going to win it here. You won't have a lot of humans, and there's a lot of technical people in this in this in this world right now who can build these automations. And I think what we need to look for is that bots are powering the care and commerce experiences, and that's going to change the scale at which people will buy and be serviced on these platforms. So where we're looking to do, especially with starting with consensus, like how much of that can we automate high quality? We're going to do a lot of that. How's that consumer experience? How do we tie that into other you know, places that the, the, the um, wallet's being used and connecting all those dots? So it's, it's an exciting time because the connection between the dots will also be a different thing. Like we're thinking if, if uh, let's say somebody else on their, um, on their DAP, you know, they, they take in a question for MetaMask, we can route it. It gets routed to the MetaMask bot. Mm. So we look at the intent. Hey, that's a MetaMask question. That's not, you know, Uniswap. Let's move that over here 
and let's answer that. So that's the kind of thing that we're going to create a lot more routing, a lot more looking at the intents and how do we move them to different people's bots. And that's why we're thinking more of this decentralized marketplace where consumers can come and just add, ask any question around anything around any of these companies. And they're all participating in the marketplace. That's kind of the dream I have of this. That's fantastic. Yeah, that's going to be super fascinating. Uh, we're really excited to see how it plays out because I think that, you know, in order to get this industry to where everybody collectively wants it, we just need the, the interfaces to be better. And for the interfaces to be better, there needs to be a viable feedback loop kind of between the customer and the and the builders. And right now, uh, there's, it does seem like there's a communication breakdown. So we're glad that you're uh, you're helping us patch things up. Um, and when we're, we're really excited to keep tabs on it. But uh, before we let you go, um, you know, if this is the first podcast that somebody is listening to has, you know, they just learned about crypto. This is their first one. What's one word of advice, one word of wisdom from a guy who's been, uh, you know, starting your research and in, in, in this place? You mean on crypto in general? Yeah. Um, I tell, I bring, I'm, I'm onboarding friends like all the time. I'm literally like the onboarder of like, Lily. I'm onboarding. I spend like two hours setting them up and everything. It's like yeah. getting them trading, getting them a MetaMask wallet. I mean, it's like, it's fine. So if you do the same thing, you know, you're, you're, we're, we're shepherds, you know, we're yes. like shepherding people. Out. Yeah. Uh, we both have podcasts, right? Yeah, exactly. You're like, we're both running you know, multi-billion dollar companies. Oh, wait, <laughs> I'll get there. It's like, that's okay. I, I look, I started sleeping on a couch. And, uh, you know, broke is how I started in 1995. So uh, I, I, uh, I'm not an overnight success. It just takes time. You know what I'm saying? It takes time. And um, I'm happy where we are. But, but the bottom line is what I would say is um, there's a rabbit hole you're going to go down. Mm. And you should go down it. And it's going to mess with your brain. Okay? Because your brain has been given structures. Parent, child. You know, it's uh, re wherever religion you're in, there's the religion in you. You know, there's God in you. There's the government, the president, the, and you. There's your teachers and your principals and you. And all those structures are about these hierarchy between parent and child. The parent and child structures. When you go down the rabbit hole in crypto, it's hard to understand because you don't see a parent and you don't see a child. You just see a community of people. And that's very hard for us to understand because we want accountability because we believe accountability is an apparent child relationship. When I was in trouble, I could ask my parents for help. When I was in school, my teacher told me I was doing right or wrong. When I'm at work, my boss said that I'm doing right or wrong and I get a bonus based on it. If you go into this other world, you're like, where's the parent child relationship? And that's scary because you start to think, well, this has to be something that's going to steal my money. Hmm. If, if there's no parent or child, I got no one to get beat up and I got no one to beat up. Like, you know, I got, so who do I go to when there's a problem? What do I do? And you have to just kind of roll with it and say the it's trustless. We, 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 we unfortunately rely too much in the real world with the trust of people and they let us down. And if a piece of code is doing the arbiter, the arbiter, it will take care of us. And I'll tell you a great example of this. With, I don't know. If, I think some people understood, but back in May, obviously the market cracked and about a half a billion came out of the market, you know, mm -hmm. Bitcoin, Ethereum, everything. When we were all part of that, I felt nauseous, you know, during that, during that one week period of time. 
But what the bigger point is a half a billion came out of the market and there wasn't a there wasn't a bailout of a bank or a hedge fund that everyone's like writing about. My God, the hedge fund lost 50 billion and they're going to pull down the system and someone's stepping in to save them. There was nothing. No one wrote about it. No one said anything. The machines took care of the transactions. Yeah. There was collateral against the borrowing. There was stuff happening and that's trustless. Trust is somebody calls on a Friday and says, look, the market's cracking. Give me till Monday. I'm going to do something. I'm going to liquidate my assets. Please give me till Monday. And there's a trust factor that's usually broken. And that's how things happen. Mm -hmm. Like bankers making up stories that they can save their businesses. And in the end, they need the government to bail them out. They're, you know, they're telling me, give me more time. But that's not going to happen in this world. So you have to let go of the child parent. You have to get into it, buy some coin, get into a DAO, um, you know, and, and see what you can do. Like go to pool together. Pool together, I think, is one of the coolest DAOs. You pool your money, and it's a lottery on winning the interest rate a no of your money. Lottery. <laughs> no loss lottery. A no loss lottery. You which don't I win, think you is get amazing. Back, right? <laughs> that's what that's what you know, and most lotteries, like you know. The guy, Leighton, the guy who started it, I, I met him at uh, LizCon. I was talking to him. He's like, most lottery, it's like $80 billion is spent on lotteries. But that's all principal money. People's hard-earned money goes away on the ticket. Yeah. They lose They lose their principal, and they need the principal. So here you keep your principal, and it's a DAO, and you're sharing in, in the profits. Mm -hmm. So go to something like that and go, how does that exist? And who runs this thing? <laughs> you know, And then why am I making money? <laughs> So I think you have to kind of suspend reality a little bit and 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 put as much money as you can to feel comfortable, you know, and then just get into it. But you'll you'll do well with it if you hold it over time. Love it, Rob. That's a that's a perfect way to end this thing. Uh, thank you so much for your time, uh, and we we hope to have you back on again soon, one of these days with with uh, with some more info. Great. Thanks for having me, Bryce. I appreciate it. Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? I'm Kat, founder of Ritual. We're making traceability the new standard for the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I couldn't find a multivitamin I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested, and clean label project certified. Oh, and our vitamin D3? It comes from sustainably harvested lichen from England, not sheep. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.